Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the 251st edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm Professor Emeritus Matt Perkins. And deep in across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. What's awesome about the the deep in is, uh, Matt, you and I were glancing at a play uh, that I drew up that I'm thinking about putting in my arsenal. So it was... uh, Nice little RPO off the buck sweep. I know Matt, uh, careful, don't get too excited, but I'm 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 joining the buck sweep family, so I know you're happy about that. Uh, the more trap in the merrier, my friend. Uh, but uh, we can't get started without the third amigo in the second city, a man whose shower doesn't hide anything from view. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. <laughs> yeah, I mean we uh, got our renovations pretty much done just a couple paint touch-ups and that shower as you said leaves nothing to the imagination we got a seamless shower huge shower glass door it's gonna be awesome yeah um just glad i won't be in there to watch a shower so uh gents we're gonna hop right or are you jealous maybe a little bit of both um (laughs) gents we have a lot of fcf football to talk today i love i'm already loving spring football we'll talk about that here in just a little bit but before we do we want to remind you guys that we are brought to you by betonline.ag nfl and fbs football may be over fcs football though still here in full swing as are the nba college basketball and nhl the only place you can be you should be betting on these sports is at betonline.ag can you Bet bet on fcs football Oh, are you kidding me? Where do you think I get the lines for these games, my friend? Over from our friends at betonline.ag. If you can dream it, you can bet it at BetOnline. They even cover awards, TV shows, reality TV, and more. Uh, If you want a quick tip on uh, award season coming up, I'm going all in for Best Picture on Mank. It's the type of movie that movie critics love. Josh, I don't know if there are any uh, television shows or movies that you uh, think are going to be winning in awards this year. Who's getting album of the year? Oh, I, I, I'm off on music. I have no idea on music. I'm off on everything. I think, unfortunately, that stupid Chicago 7 movie directed and written by god-awful Aaron Sorkin will probably be nominated for some stuff. Yeah. Um, How do I you really re- feel about Aaron Sorkin? I love him. Just not the Chicago Seven. Um, <laughs> no, it was nothing I like of his work. You, you you used to like West Wing for a minute. Yeah, and then I got a little older and I realized it was racist, misogynistic, and a horrible TV show. But other than that, it'll happen. That'll happen. Um, True. I was reading an interesting article that the producers of Emily in Paris, one of the worst television shows. Um, that I've encountered in a while. You're mispronouncing it. Emily en Paris. Oh, yeah. 
what they took the Hollywood Foreign Press Corps, the people who vote on the Golden Globes, and flew a ton of them to Paris and had them staying in like these like five star hotels, taking them out to like Michelin star restaurants and things like that. Basically, straight up bribing them to give them Golden Globes um, a, a little while back. So we'll see how that all pans out. All I know is that Mank is gonna is gonna run away with the awards this year. So put your money down on that. Put your and money also. On- I'm impressed that Michelin does tires and restaurants. Yeah, it is pretty impressive. Uh, okay, history lesson. Josh, you know why Michelin rates restaurants, right? Uh, I don't know if this is true. The story that I heard was to promote this idea of people getting out and driving and going on road trips. Yeah, so basically the idea was that if a restaurant was if it was a one-star restaurant, it was worth stopping at, you know, notable to stop at if it was on your way. Two-star worth going on a small detour for and three stars going way out of your way to go to because the food is that good. So, and it was in line with that idea of people trying to get people to go on road trips and drive to these restaurants. So, Okay, that's enough uh, for my rantings on history, Emily en Paris, Michelin, and um, all those other things. But if you want to be betting on oh, uh, awards, TV shows, reality TV, FCS football, NBA, college basketball, NHL, or anything else, head on over to Bet Online. They've got hundreds of props with real time odds on almost anything you can imagine. And of course, there's always the 24 hour online casino. It never closes. So head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Gentlemen, we had our first real week of spring football. For my money, the greatest week of spring football in the history of FCS. That's a low bar to clear, my friend. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's one of one. And uh, there was a lot of action, a, a lot of interesting, a lot of but interesting no games. Um, Coach, I guess I want to start with you. What did you what did you find to be to be the most either interesting or notable thing that happened this weekend? Well, uh FBS team went down. Somehow they snuck in and played a game against Tarleton State and got destroyed. Uh Nickel State almost hit triple digits. They won 87 to 3. Uh Wofford did their thing. Furman did their thing, not surprising. Uh, East Tennessee State won. We didn't know much about them. We didn't have much expectation for them, but they uh, they were victorious over Sanford. And Tennessee Tech, a middle-of-the-road, near-bottom-of-the-road uh, OVC team, knocked off an OVC favorite in Scotty Walden's debut with Austin P losing 27-21 in a turnover fest for, for the Govs. So that, that was surprising. And then Coach Prime. Coach Prime getting his first win. Well, let's start, let, let's actually start with Coach Prime, uh, Coach Burton, and uh, Jackson State. Uh, Jackson State this weekend uh, did not exactly have the uh, most notable of opponents uh, in their game this past Sunday, but uh, nonetheless, uh, it was the debut of Deion Sanders at Jackson State playing literally a school I'd never heard of called Edward waters. Um, they won 53, nothing. The notable thing after the game was that coach prime claimed he was robbed 
he was not robbed and it was and in typical primetime fashion the most and best part about this game was the press conference afterwards on the field though coach i don't know how much we can really take away from this one uh other than the fact that uh jackson state you know they they beat a team who like i said if we haven't heard of them, it's really not going to be much of a program. Jalen Jones, their quarterback, had four total touchdowns, 18 to 20 passing. He was outstanding. But I'm not sure how much this really tells us about the Jackson State Jaguars. Well, it tells them it tells us they're heading in the right direction because I think at one point, either last year or two or two seasons ago, they probably couldn't score 53 points on air. So for that. I think there that is a vast improvement. But one of the most notable moments from this game was actually would probably be number one on the come on man segment on Monday Night Countdown, where the Edward Waters return man on a kickoff return let the ball hit and just and it laid on the ground. And he walked away from it and Jackson State picked it up and uh, or they fell on it. They didn't pick it up, but they fell on it, got the ball and scored, I think one or two plays later and uh that play would just kind of let you scratch in your head and you're like what the does he not know that's a live ball but uh, you know not much else you could take away they you know it was a fun debut for for prime time until he discovered that uh the stuff was missing out of his bag that uh he said was stolen out of his office that may or may not have been stolen i don't know they he says it still he said they you know they took stuff out of a zip bag and they found it. They returned items, and all is well. He got he got presented the game ball, and you know he, he said that was the best moment of his of his professional career and all that stuff. But so good for him, uh, good for that program. But again, not really much of an opponent. We don't really know where this team is even even now as a glorified scrimmage. So we'll see what they got further down the road and see if they can sustain this level of success. Yeah, well, Josh, another game that... Well, oh, I actually, I just ahead, wanted yeah. to real quick, just kind of fill in, because I was curious. Um, I was in the same boat. I was like, Edward Waters. I honestly had never heard of it. So I actually looked it up, got a few news and notes that are kind of interesting about it. First of all, very small school, just over a 1,000 students. They are NAIA, but they recently built uh, some football facilities to try and move up to D2. They were Florida's first historically black college which is kind of cool and they have one super famous alum for any baseball fan out there buck o'neill oh buck o'neill all right very nice um in terms of their football team not only are they naia they were one of the worst naia teams a year ago going one in ten so I don't know if there's any way to overstate the fact that we learned literally nothing about Jackson State from this game. Yeah. Yeah, we learned pretty much nothing. Uh, one game, though, that we definitely did learn something from, uh, Austin P and Tennessee Tech. Austin P came into the season uh, as one of the favorites in the OVC, as we talked about last week on episode 250. If you haven't caught that, make sure you go back and listen. Tennessee Tech uh, from over in Cookville, Tennessee, Um they they hosted uh they they hosted Austin P the governors from Clarksville 
um, to see the, the two Seville, the battle of the Seavilles, if you will. Yeah. And Tennessee tech came out on top 27, 21. Um, much of the surprise, honestly, of most people, uh, at least predicting this game. And if you look at the stats, you're, well, when you have four turnovers and 13 penalties, it's really tough to win. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, Austin P held Tennessee tech to 156 total yards. So you're looking yeah. at this, you're thinking, what in the Sam hell is going on out here? Well, what happened was two interceptions, uh, two lost fumbles, and uh, two more that actually could have been uh, lost as well. A couple short fields for Tennessee Tech, and they took advantage, uh, especially there in the fourth quarter uh, come for the comeback victory to end up winning uh, 27 to 21. Uh, coach, I mean, I, I know you were watching this one. I was in and out of this one as well. Uh, you know, I guess what surprised you the most about about this game? Was the quarterback, it just how sloppy? Was it just how sloppy Austin P yeah, was? The the quarterback play was atrocious for for Austin P. I mean, I, you had one guy that threw two picks, and then the the backup Bryce Robinson just couldn't seem to get much going. He did have a touchdown pass uh, with twelve seconds left to kind of make this thing, you know, not so in, not so embarrassing, but uh, just. Wasting that, wasting a dominant defensive performance. Like if if your defense does puts up numbers like that, you should, by and large, win. Even if they just cut their turnovers in half, and cut their penalties in half, they probably would have won this game going away, given the effort of their defense. So I was really kind of surprised at just how bad. I you know you expect a lot of these teams to be to be sloppy in in the first go, because let's let's be honest, it's spring football. They've had a long layoff. They played some in the fall. They had a long layoff, and now they're playing. So it's like an extra-long bowl season, and you know what happens in bowl games. So there was some sloppiness there, and they just couldn't quit getting out of their own way. There's team, There's other teams that started really slow and really sloppy that ended up recovering and having really nice games like Furman and Wofford. But, you know, Furman – they were tied like late into the second quarter with Western Carolina, who has no business being on the field with them. But they finally got their, you know, what together and they ended up winning 35 to 7. Austin P, that didn't happen. So you're left scratching your head going, okay, well, Scotty Walden, he's a first year coach, and you know, he's had some head coaching reps at Southern Miss. So you know, maybe some of the inexperience is still showing for him, and he couldn't quite get his team out of that funk, and that's what surprised me. I want to build on something Coach said. He said that Austin P had some action in the fall and then a long layoff. Well, there were three teams in action that played fall football more than once that were sitting at 0-3. Yeah. Austin P. Mercer, who was Mercer. sloppy and lost. Mercer was extremely sloppy as well. Three turnovers, lost. And, and Western just, Carolina. They're not good. And, and, yeah, and Western Carolina, who, you know, yeah, they kind of hung around. It helped that Furman had three turnovers, but eventually they wore out. And yeah. Furman, I think has, there's, Furman has Western is, that, Western that, Carolina is bad. 
But I, I, Mercer's rebuilding. And Furman had a, a Kansas City Chiefs second quarter. Yeah. But I, I think I think there that there's something else at play for these teams. And that is their season is kind of over because Austin P with a smaller tournament, people are going to remember oh they were 0 3 at one point. They're not a good team. We're not going to give them an at-large bid. So they kind of know that we got to win the conference or it's bust. And I think I think there's a reason why the 0-3 teams struggled as much as they did. Josh, that's a really interesting observation. And I, I want to build on that by asking a question. Do you think that, I mean, obviously in the record book, it shows those three teams is now it's 0-4. Do you think that they should have just literally just thrown out the fall records and everyone should have started from zero and zero? Because a lot of those games were FBS games, so I think they should throw the FBS games out. Yeah, I, but even I, the, even that opening weekend, like that Central Arkansas Austin P game, that was like the first game of the season. Uh, and like no, they early... shouldn't throw that out. Yeah. No, they should. I really think that they should. I think that this is a completely different season. Yeah, I think it. I mean, we're already doing a weird exception of playing spring ball. We already have a weird thing like South Dakota State's starting quarterback played one game and then pieced out to the NFL. <laughs> uh, and that one game was six months ago or something. North Dakota no, State, yeah, Trey Lance. Yeah, North yeah, Dakota yeah. State, yeah. Um, and so I think it, starting at totally fresh, I think would have helped some of these teams – um, especially a team like Austin P that had really high expectations coming into the year to know, okay, even if we win this game, we're going to sit at one and three in the polls and the pollsters aren't going to dig into that. They're just going to see the record. They're just going to do the eye test thing and go, Oh, uh, they're one and three. Well, they're not one of the 25 best teams in FBS and leave their FCS and leave it at that. So I, I think it would have made sense to start everything fresh at O and O. Well, speaking of uh, that North Dakota State quarterback who uh, played one game in the fall and then said, uh, "See you guys." They also, they're starting left tackle did the same thing. Uh, mm-hmm. North Dakota State hosted Youngstown State uh, in the Fargo Dome this past weekend, and uh, you know it was. A little, you know, a, a little rough to watch, kind of in fits and spurts. But again, a lot of these games were just because of the nature of it. That's true, but I mean, but North Dakota State, in typical North Dakota State fashion, uh, their defense was just completely overwhelming. Youngstown State, 171 total yards. I mean, they only allowed 51 yards rushing. It or 51, yeah, 51 yards rushing, 1.5 yards per attempt for Youngstown state. That is not good. That's really not good. And, uh, you know, and so North Dakota state, even without Trey Lance seems to be again, the team to beat Kobe Johnson had a really nice game on the ground, 114 yards, averaging over seven yards a carry as a team. They average over six yards a carry 243 yards on 40 carries for the team. Zeb Nolan in his first start, you know, nothing special at quarterback, but he didn't really need to be. All he needed to turn would do was turn around, hand the ball off to that stable of running backs and let him go. 
and that worked for North Dakota State. Josh, uh, is North Dakota State, despite having a, a new quarterback, new left tackle, and a, a, you know, plus the guys that they lost last year, are they still the team to beat, or do you think that we can, you know, or do you think that this this season of any season is the one where we can expect to see someone else bubble up to the top? Well, you know, they say that defense wins championships, and North Dakota State's defense is still phenomenal and you broke it down really well against Youngstown so they are still in my estimation the team to beat the question is though and if they have a weakness is they have finally had a ton of attrition on that offensive side of the ball down in the trenches they're not as strong as they used to be. And at quarterback, big step back mm-hmm. um, with Zeb Nolan. And he went nine of 18. And, I, you know, he's, let's be honest, he's a career backup. He's a senior. So, you know, it's not like they're breaking in a freshman. He's a temporary quarterback at best. Uh, but he went nine of 18, 74 yards, just four yard and average no touchdowns, no interceptions. And um, that's just not going to cut it in a game where that defense has a slip. So I'm not saying that North Dakota State is not the team to beat anymore. They still are. It's just their margin for error is a little bit smaller than it's been in the past. Yeah, I I really think it is. And if someone's going to come up, like I said in the last show, it's going to be South Dakota State. And let's move to what was the game of the weekend? Yeah, and I had my notes up. That's why when I was talking about North Dakota State not having their quarterback, I I said South Dakota State like an idiot. Well, let's talk about that game because phenomenal. This was the uh, the other. I mean, this was maybe a hair sloppy, but this was far and away the game of the weekend. Um, the two best teams that were had that had a head to head matchup and the highest quality of play, quite frankly, um, of the games that I saw. Um, Mark Gronowski, not Gronkowski, but Mark Gronowski, <laughs> uh, the quarterback for South Dakota State, is someone who really impressed me this weekend. Um, he was my player of the weekend. His, his stats aren't going to blow you off the page, but he didn't make any mistakes. He made no mistakes against Northern Iowa. And that's what really, really impressed me. Threw for 194 yards, three total touchdowns. It's not like he was, you know, he, it's not like he was super fabulous, but he didn't throw any picks. Yes, he had a fumble, but I thought that he managed this game. Game manager has become such a pejorative. He managed this game so well for South Dakota State. Josh. And I know that, you know, obviously you're an Iowa guy, you're going to root for Northern Iowa, but I, I thought that Mark Ranowski and the rest of South, the South Dakota state team, um, including Pierre strong, who we knew was going to be a big mm-hmm. presence, you know, th- they did an outstanding job of going on the road and, you know, eking out a very, very hard fought victory against the Panthers in the Unidome. Yeah. I mean, South Dakota state has to be feeling really good. Not only did they escape because they scored in the final seconds, but uh, not their best effort 
two lost fumbles, nine penalties, 80 yards. Um, they tried their hardest to give away this game. And for you and I, the big worry was, we know the defense is great. Can this offense sustain drives? And it was a high level of competition with the Jackrabbits. And it's a one-game sample size. But it's a very troubling first game sample size because it feels like business as usual again for you and I in that the offense just isn't there. Two of 12 on third down, 193 total yards, 165 through the air, and a god-awful 28 rushing yards on 25 carries. And outside of their wide receiver, Quan Hampton, who had seven receptions for 65 yards, really no one on the UNI offense appeared to be a difference maker or someone that you could say is an elite offensive talent. And um, that's been sort of the book on UNI for about the last five years. And so Panther fans have got to be wondering, okay, you, you got to score some points. It's, it's sort of the opposite of uh, what, couple teams we've seen in the past who try and make runs at North Dakota state, which is to have an amazing offense. I remember Sam Houston a few years ago was just like, screw it. Let's score 60 points a game. And then when they ran into North Dakota state, they, they didn't have the defense to stop them. That you was I, then North Carolina yeah. offensive coordinator, Phil Longo leading yeah. that Sam Houston team. Yeah. And you and I is going the opposite way. They're going, all right, we're going to shut down the, the bison. It's like, great. You held the bison to 13 points. You scored zero, but so yeah, a little bit of an issue for for you and I um, going forward. I, I didn't know Brian Ferentz had a spring job too. Uh -huh. <laughs> I mean, it's just right up the road, I guess. But no, I mean, I, you know, the Jackrabbit defense is particular deep up front, and and uh, especially in the linebacking core, I really like their 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 defensive line, and I really like their linebacking core. They're really tough against the run. And they're really stingy, so that probably played a lot, a lot into it as well. Um, and and that that'll help them, that'll help the Jackrabbits down, the, you know, throughout the gauntlet of the season. They they have uh, a matchup with North Dakota coming up next week or this week, I should say. And so that'll be interesting to see what they can do against a team that just uh, just doubled up the Salukis of, of Southern Illinois. And I don't know if that's, you know, I don't know much about Southern Illinois, so I don't know how impressive of a win that was, but I watched part of that game um, as I was flipping through the early, the early slate of Saturday games and North Dakota, every time I saw them, they were moving the ball. They were playing, you know, they, they were flying all over the football defensively. They were physical. Uh, they just, they looked in sync, and they looked like they've been playing for four or five weeks now, and this was only game one. So that, I think, bodes well for, for North Dakota. And and so I, I'm excited to see, and I'm excited to, to, to catch this game and see what this matchup can provide, see if the Jackrabbits' defense is, is for real, see if North Dakota can repeat their performance they had against uh, Southern Illinois, good, bad, ugly. 
I don't know. It, it was impressive that you know if you score forty four points, forty four points is is pretty good. Yeah, and one and thing I'll take that, that I don't care one, who one thing against. that people who have not really been tuning into FCS for a long time may not realize this is North Dakota's first year in the Missouri Valley. They've been a big sky team forever and they are now in the toughest conference or along with the colonial of FCS football. And so to start out their MVFC, you know, uh, I guess journey with a big win against a Southern Illinois team. That's, you know, maybe while, while not at the top of the conference, you know, definitely not someone you that can be underestimated. That was very impressive. And we're going to talk about that. Um, we're going to talk about that game here a little bit later today. Um, so uh, before we get into talking about um uh, I, I just want to talk really quickly, though, about a couple games in the SoCon um, that uh, Coach glossed over earlier. Both Furman and Wofford had uh, not the, necessarily the prettiest wins to begin the weekend, mm-hmm. but wins nonetheless. Uh, you know, we expected uh, Furman to beat Western Carolina. They did 35-7. to and the Paladins of Furman definitely, it, I think that one thing that we can say though is that Furman and Wofford are in a bit of a different class than the rest of the league coach. Yeah, they are. I mean, they just, just how efficient they are, just how patient they are offensively. They didn't panic at all, even when they were struggling to move the ball. They, were, they made mistakes early. I mean, hell, Furman turned the ball over twice. And uh, or what, they let Western times. Carolina score first. Yeah, they let Western Carolina get on the board first. It struggled. They let them hang around, and then, but they were patient, and that that's what makes great teams is being patient when you're struggling because that's mm-hmm. what that's how blowouts happen. Like when when you're on the other end of that and you get impatient, you try to make a big play to make up for it, and coaches think there's just some magical 14 point play that's gonna that's gonna make up the difference, and it ends up going south on you in a hurry Furman doesn't do that Wofford is well coached they don't do that Mercer I I was actually impressed with Mercer uh, because they showed flashes of of a team that if they ever if they figured out at any point this season they're going to be dangerous and when I say dangerous I mean like they could ruin somebody's season Mm -hmm. I don't think they're going to make a playoff run this year I think they're one or two seasons away from doing that. Drew Cronick comes in from uh, from Lenore Rhine, uh, Division II school up in Rome, Georgia. And uh, they they had had a lot of success up there. And that par- he parlayed that into the Mercer head coaching job. Uh, I guess when, when you're D2 school and you get somebody drafted by the Patriots, I guess people look at <laughs> you differently. And and so the, the, the brass at Mercer did so. And so – but, I mean, they, they're scrappy. They play hard. They're, they're physical – they fly around. They're just not. They just didn't play in sync. They were they were busting coverages. They were missing. You know, they made some some mistakes of like a team that just hasn't figured each other out yet. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I, I guess early on, if you're judging wins and losses, it's a bad thing. But for a program like Mercer's, who is in the grand scheme of things still extremely young, is a program as a whole, and for them to come out and they were fairly impressive at moments and other moments they mm-hmm. weren't and, and Wofford, their offense will do that to you. But 
I, I think Mercer in in about a year or two is going to be pretty good, pretty sporty, and they're going to be they're going to get they're going to improve throughout the course of the year, especially on defense, offensively. I think they've got to find an identity. They don't have an identity. Western Carolina is just bad. Just Western bad. Carolina is just bad, and Furman. Yeah. The, so the the stats that popped out to me most in this game for Furman, they rolled up 91 offensive plays. That's insane. And they run – they're an option team. They're like a hybrid option mm-hmm. team. 91 plays, 33 it's, first it's downs, impressive. 533 yards on offense. It, it was, so it, was it, it took a second to get rolling, yeah. but after it got rolling, it really exploited the gap between yeah. – uh, where a team like Furman is and where a team like Western Carolina is. So yeah. um, I, I think the, the the thing that I love that coach was talking about was Mercer on how, you know, they, they played a scrappy game. If it wasn't for those turnovers, they very well could have pulled off that upset. But Mercer's a team that I think is going to get some buzz about them going forward you look at their history. They they didn't have a program. Yeah, they didn't have a program from 1942 to 2012. So just a little bit of an issue there. They come back to football, and they're in the Pioneer Football League. And for those of you that don't remember the last time we talked about the Pioneer Football League, they're a collection of schools that do not give scholarships in the same way that the rest of FCS does i think they give partial scholarships if even that they might not give any football scholarships so the pioneer football league is kind of a unique collection of teams they've been in the socon since 2014 this is a good conference they're slowly building it but they have a advantage in that they're in coach's backyard of where he grew up they're in georgia Um, an hour and a half away uh coach georgia produces a couple College ready football players each year, right? Yeah, just a couple. So, just a couple. Yeah. So uh, I think there's some stuff to like about this program. I, I think the area they sit in would be even like if they just, if they got about 10, 10 kids from the Warner Robins Macon area, and then when they just, rec- if they just recruited about an hour and a half if they start in their own area and then went an hour and a half south on I-75 and they just recruited that area, they would be just fine. I mean, that doesn't surprise me. I'm, mean, I'm not I'm not even joking. Oh, I, I, would be trust just me, Coach. I, I'm well aware that you are not joking. So uh, we're going to do a couple more conference previews here for you today. Uh, but before we do, we want to give a brief moment to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay. Uh, and eBay is the place to find all sorts of things, but especially sneakers. Whether rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for as the original sneaker marketplace. eBay is the place to go to cop that pair you've had your eyes on. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity. That means they're authentic, guys. 
and it's going to protect sellers with a verified return process. For all your sneakers, all you sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers over $100, making it free to sell or flip your collection. So go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. Again, that's ebay.com slash sneakers. Coach, you're a bit of a soul man, aren't you? I'm, a, I'm definitely a soul man. I don't know if you saw my Twitter at Coach Burton 36, but I posted a, uh, a, I posted a picture, a screenshot of a pair of Jordans that were probably my favorite pair of Jordans uh, that are selling on eBay. I wish I had an extra $230 to, uh, to make a bid on them, but I don't. What's the colorway so, on those? What's that? What's the colorway on those Jordans? Oh, it's the, uh, let me, let me pull it up. Because I have, I own one pair of, I won't, I own a pair of original red and black Jordan ones, and they are some of my favorite shoes. While you're pulling that up, these are the Jordan fours. Okay, Jordan fours. From what I, from people tell me, people tell me that outside of the Jordan ones, the Jordan threes are the way to go because that was his best season as a uh, as as a scorer. He was wearing the Jordan threes. Though for me, the original Jordan ones are the way to go. Also, quick story I suffer from plantar fasciitis. It's super painful, super annoying, and it means that I have to wear shoes all the time. So I bought myself a pair of house shoes. Coach, I sent you a picture of these house shoes. I have what I call the George Dog colorways on my Nike Air Maxes, uh-huh. and uh, they're pretty outstanding. Not going to lie, I am, uh, I'm, I'm kind of in love with them. So, uh, as much as I want to wear them outside of the house, I can't. So anyhow, if you are, uh, if you are interested in sneakers, need some new sneakers, want to, want to get some, uh, unique sneakers, head on over to ebay.com slash sneakers. There you go. Yeah. Right. eBay. I bought my, uh, my most recent golf clubs I, I bought from eBay. You can find anything on eBay. You can find anything on eBay. All right, gents. Well, let's head over to talk about three more conferences that are starting up this weekend. We will start in the big sky. Uh, We mentioned North Dakota. They moved over from the big sky to the Missouri Valley for this season. Also, unfortunately for the big sky, there are four teams in the conference who are not playing uh, sorry, I should say five teams uh, who are not playing this year, most notably both Montana and Montana State, which is a real shame. Montana was a top 10 preseason team. Also missing out on the action are Sacramento State, Portland State, and Northern Colorado. That being said, there are still some very, very excellent teams here in the big sky, most notably Weber State, who many people feel like is the team to beat and potentially the best. By default, team. they're they're conference champions. Well, and on top of that, though, you know they are a they're the number two, uh, depending on the poll you look at, anywhere between number two and number four in the conference. Uh, sorry, in the country, I should say, uh, coming into the season, and uh, there is you know a lot of talent there at. Weber State. Josh, 
uh, we, we were saying it's bringing back a bunch of really good players. They've got some really, really good offensive linemen and are just solid all the way around. Uh, what team intrigues you the most in this conference? Oh, I, I'm curious if Weber State is a classic case of amazing running back or offensive line makes a good running back look amazing. Uh, I think it actually might be the deadly combination of a stacked offensive line paving the way for an amazing running back. Josh Davis, uh, returning starter. Uh, let's see what he's done in 2018-2019. Oh, uh, can I interest you in back-to-back 1,000-yard -back seasons? Can I interest you in 20 career rushing touchdowns so far? Can I interest you in a career average per carry that's five yards a pop? Even mean, I mean, it's just, he's amazing. He's an incredible, incredible uh, FCS talent. But I think with his combination of speed and size, because he's actually 5'9", 195, which is not uh, extremely little. I mean, that, that's, that's still got some meat on your bones. I, I think he could actually find a place at the next level, quite honestly. Um, his receiving's also getting better, which NFL scouts love to see. But Josh Davis is phenomenal. The offensive line is phenomenal. The one real question about this team is they're getting a new starting quarterback, but uh, yeah, no more Jake Constantine. Yeah, yeah, but they have a really intriguing transfer coming in. If Randall Johnson, who is in your neck of the woods, who's at Middle Tennessee State, mm -hmm. uh, he appeared in one game, did not attempt to pass, so his stats that he's bringing are not terribly impressive to say the least, but. When he was going through the whole recruiting process, I tracked down uh, some of his old numbers. And from one uh, service, they listed him as something kind of intriguing, the number four dual threat quarterback of the entire country and the 33 rated prospect in the entire state of California. So his prep pedigree is damn good. And if he lives up to that here at Weber State, well, Weber State's going to have a damn good quarterback. So uh, I'm with you, Matt. They're not just the team to beat in this conference. Uh, what I'm curious is, are they the team that's going to win it all and be the surprise team? You know, a West Coast team hasn't won national titles since Eastern Washington, and that's going on a while ago now. It is, and Coach... Uh... Josh Minson, Randall Johnson, there's another transfer from the volunteer state who, uh, if he pans out, will make his transition very, very easy. And that is a former four-star recruit that ended up at Tennessee, Jordan Allen, big tight end, 6'4", 240, who is just an absolute monster in the middle of the field. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you combine a great weapon at tight end with a quarterback who is just looking for a spark, that can be a recipe for success for Weber State. And look out if these two find some sort of rapport. And I, I'm excited to see, you know, Jordan Allen's going to be talented, but 
you know, how is he going to mix with Randall Johnson? How is he going to mix within that offense? How is he going to do? It's exciting to find out, and, and I think they're going to be a, a, a great duo. Yeah, they, they really should be. If there's any team in the conference that's going to be able to push them, it's Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington is always a power in the big sky. They've taken a couple of steps back. Uh, in the preseason poll, they were picked to finish fourth, frankly. Uh, but obviously with both Montana schools now out of the way, that makes them the de facto uh, second best team. There are a, a couple really interesting players on this team uh, at Eastern Washington, but I think that overall they just don't have the depth of talent, especially on the offensive end that we've come to sort of believe and understand and expect from Eastern Washington. We've seen guys like Cooper cup uh, come out of here. Uh, we've seen, you know, plenty of guys go on to do uh, bigger and bigger things um, out of Eastern Washington. And, and we expect on that red turf them to be putting up big points. I just don't know, Josh, if they have the talent to do that this season. No, they don't. And we sort of see, uh, this cyclical nature in FCS football where very few programs are like Alabama where they reload instead of having rebuilding processes. Generally, with North Dakota State being kind of the exception to this rule, is you sort of see it play out like what O. James Madison did, what Eastern Washington did, what... Um, Appalachian State did before coming up a level, which is you're a good program, good program, good program. You start to break through. You have a veteran-laden team. You compete for a national title, and then you rebuild. And so Eastern Washington is – they're just in one of those downward cycles for the time being. Even with that, they were seven and five a year ago, six and two in conference. So it, it's not that they're done, write them off. Eastern Washington's now going to be terrible. It's just they're in the downswing that you oftentimes see FCS programs be in. They'll get back at some point, probably relatively soon, because the, well, let's be honest, Washington State produces a lot of talent. It's a talent rich state. And so Eastern Washington gets what the Huskies and Cougars don't get. And that's plenty to produce a winning football brand. Uh, so they'll be back fairly soon. It's just, it, it, Weber State's in a class in their own in this league. They really so, are. Yeah. They really are. And if there's one dark horse, though, uh, guys, it's uh, my, my friends up in one of my favorite parts of California, Davis. You see Davis. Uh, the the Aggies of UC Davis. Josh, you know who their coach is? Well, I do know because I, I did some show prep, but do you want me to act surprised when you say that it's former Boise State great coach Dan Hawkins? It's Dan Hawkins. Oh, yes, I, he's what? He's back. He's back. It's not in a mural, brother. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Dan Hawkins, uh, former Boise State and Colorado coach, uh, I think uh, one of those stops was, yeah, so one of those stops a little bit more successful of the than the other he has to replace uh quarterback jake mayer uh who was outstanding um last year uh 
who threw for 35, more than 3,500 yards and 28 touchdowns in his senior season. There is, uh, th- there are two guys who are going to be com- competing for that spot. Alonzo uh, Gilliam Jr. And Hunter Rodriguez, uh, whoever wins that battle is going to have the keys to the offense and should be able to put up some points. They have a, some actually pretty good rec- uh, recruiting class and, a, some good transfers coming in, including uh, former Cal tight end McCallan Castles and a big tight end and uh, freshman Michael M- Mboskashir, uh, who's listed at 6'5", 240. So if they can, if their defense can keep them in games, I think even more so than Eastern Washington, I think they are a team to look at to potentially push weber state but weber state is definitely i mean i'd say probably two orders of magnitude above everybody else there in the big sky conference coach anything you have to add or josh i just wanted to to give a quick shout out you mentioned his name already but alonzo gilliam jr running back for this cal davis team uh just one of those Modern day 2021 backs produces tons and tons and tons of yards from scrimmage, but does it in various ways. Uh, the last two seasons, he hasn't had a thousand yard season running the ball. He's been in the 900s each year, but then you look at his receiving totals and it's astronomical. He's got 600 career receiving yards in two seasons. Um, that's just where the game's going and, and you got to have those hands and Gilliam Jr. has those hands. Yeah, he does. And he is a, you know, uh, he, he is the prototypical three down back at this point. Uh, also love seeing Idaho now here yeah. in the conference. They, they, they seem really at home in the big sky. I think that's the right place for them. And they have uh, a really, really interesting team as well. They'll be t- actually taking on uh, Eastern Washington this weekend. That's going to be a good one. And we will preview that game during our, uh, during our uh, spread formations coming up in just a little bit. Well, I'll tell you who's really excited about Idaho football being back. The Idaho basketball team. Because, <laughs> because it'll take a lot of the heat off the fact they're the worst team in college basketball. They're the only team that's winless right now, gents. They're 0-19. Oof. And 0-16 in conference. Is that bad? Their their last their last time out was a doozy against basketball powerhouse Portland State. They lost 71 to 40. Mm. Oh gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so, gosh. so Vandal football oh, will take some pressure off. I mean, Ford, Vandal basketball. 40 is some Bo Ryan era Wisconsin basketball <laughs> scores right there. My goodness. All right, gents, let's head over to this. They've had multiple games in the 40s, Matt. (laughs) Again, it's Bo Ryan era, Wisconsin. Uh, Let's head over to the Southland. Uh, Not uh, Los Angeles, but the Southland Conference instead, which has been dominated, dominated by Sam Houston State. Sam Houston. Sam Houston State. Houston. uh, 
they do not have a problem at Sam Houston State, gentlemen. Uh, they are the favorite once again this year. But a couple other teams, including uh, Nichols and Southeastern Louisiana, should push them. Uh, that being said, uh, Sam Houston State, definitely the most notable team here. Their head coach, Casey Keeler, is uh, uh, someone who's brought a lot of offense to the program. Eric Schmid, not my sophomore year college roommate, um, <laughs> uh, is returning at quarterback for the Bearcats with a K. Uh, Sam Houston State also has a very, very strong defense. They had the number one rush defense in all of FCS last season. Uh, a couple studs on defense, Joseph Wallace, Trace Mascoro, Zion McCollum, all over the place, uh, especially Zion McCollum. He is a an outstanding, outstanding defensive back. He uh, was top five in the conference last year, 11 passes, defended. And the Bearcats have one of their toughest tests to kick off the season against southeastern Louisiana. Coach, what can you tell us about the offense that Sam Houston State runs? Well, it's wide open. Um, they, ah, that's impressive, man. Um, I, I really like, you know, they just, they're so versatile. They're, they're wide open. They're, they're fast. They can light up the scoreboard on you and they just do a lot of great things and they do, they do them well and they do them well consistently. So I'm, I'm very much impressed and I, I, I find it difficult for there to be a team that I think can truly at least this in this spring season that can truly challenge them. I guess the closest team is, is the nickel state colonels uh, from Thibodeau, Louisiana. So, uh, but you know, I, I, I like the preseason, uh, I guess the preseason uh, rankings of, of putting Sam Houston, number one and the prediction of them. That's the word I was looking for, uh, for them to win the conference. I, I think they, I think they win this thing. I mean, their third down conversion percentage is nearly 30%. That's great. Um, and that's great on defense. So they, they have a defense to kind of go with this high-powered offense. And so I, mm -hmm. I think they're more of a complete team than they have been in, in quite some time. Yeah. Um, that Nickel State team, though, I think is definitely going to be the team to push them, Josh. They have a uh, former SEC quarterback, he uh, Lindsey Scott Jr., who was actually at both LSU and Missouri, for a, a very short time was uh, an outstanding Juco player, outstanding Juco player at East Mississippi community college. He was uh, the, uh, he was all Juco uh, first team um, as a, a player. And he is someone that can really, really sling the ball around and run it a little bit. Uh, what are your thoughts here on some of the top schools in the Southland? Well, you mentioned the quarterback at Nichols, but he's also got some really nice pieces to throw to, including first-team All-American lineman protecting him, and that way he can throw it to leading receiver from last year, Dijon Dixon. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that is a P. nice... P.J. Burkhalter is that offensive lineman. Yeah, P.J. Burkhalter. Who is yep. as good as they come at the FCS level. Yeah, so I, I mean, that's... Uh, it's a turnkey offense right there mm -hmm. that that they're bringing into it. You know, I, I think Sam Houston is the team to beat. Um, obviously, 
you know, they've got one of the FCS's best coaches, Casey Keeler. He did amazing work at Delaware, won a national title at Delaware. Um, he's got an absurd win loss over his entire career. And from 2014 to 2017, Sam Houston was maybe the second best team to North Dakota State, or maybe third best if you put James Madison in there. Yeah. The last two years, though, 13 and 10. So, Mm -hmm. you know, is it that cycle that I was talking about earlier? And now they've rebuilt and they're stacked and they're more experienced. Maybe they have a young offensive line. So this conference is way more open than what we've previewed. Uh, So I think Sam Houston is the the team to beat, but it's not a sure thing. So it's like, why not Nichols with that high flying offense? Mm -hmm. Uh, Why not? uh, You know, you're talking about the the really good defensive team um, in the preview. I mean, it's like, why not some of these teams? I will say this though. What I love about the Southland conference is you got some amazing towns that these teams are in. I'm just going to read them off real quick. You got Huntsville, Texas for Sam Houston. Yep. Coach said it, Thibodeau, Louisiana for Nichols. Hammond, Louisiana. That might be the most boring name of, of the conference. Lake Charles. Okay, that might also be the Lake boring. Charles, Louisiana yeah. is. Well, but here's the thing, though. You can't hate on Lake Charles because Lake Charles is mentioned in the famous song by the band Up on Cripple Creek. I'm just doing just straight up town name. Uh, I love this. The Incarnate World team uh incarnate word not world whatever i don't care. <laughs> they are over in san antonio that mm-hmm. is a fun city san antonio but yeah the, but the, the river walk is incredible yeah but then how about northwestern state Nacogdoches. i know that is a town name right there Nacogdoches. that's how it's spelled i don't think that's how they say it though Nacogdoches. yeah lamar is in beaumont Texas. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, you can't say that town name without doing a Texas drawl. It just demands. Hey, man, we live in Beaumont, Texas. Come get some brisket, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's um, bigger in Texas. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is a wide open conference. It's going to be fun. Uh, if I if I had to give a percentage, I'd say Sam Houston is a coin flip. It's 50-50. Mm-hmm. So you might want to take the field, quite honestly. Yeah. Uh, we should mention McNeese State is ineligible for postseason play this year. Um, and one team that I'm just highly, highly intrigued by this year. McNeese South- State has got an Orgeron boy playing quarterback. Yes, they do. <laughs> but I'm actually more interested in uh, South. Hey, on, I want, I want. That's probably why they're not very good because they can't understand the play call out of the huddle. This team has had a delay of game penalty on every <laughs> offensive snap of the season. <laughs> hey, uh, let, let go. Yeah. I want already. Football. Uh, I, I I I think they they just call the play calls a uh, uh, shrimp gumbo uh, and do jambalaya and do the sausage that'll really pepper the gumbo. 
Well, I mean, he should be playing for Southeastern Louisiana, let's face it. Like, he, but he's not. But who is playing quarterback for them is Cole Kelly. Uh, Cole Kelly is a large man. He is six foot seven. He used to play for Arkansas. And he's got a couple really good receivers to throw to in CJ Turner. What's up with Arkansas getting these basketball players as quarterbacks? I don't get it, man. I don't. I, I. I don't get it. But he's got two of the best targets in the Southland: Austin Mitchell, CJ Turner. Both these guys are. Uh, were almost at a thousand yards last season, and both these. I mean, I think that Southeastern Louisiana's offense has the chance to be very, very special. They've got a really talented head coach in Frank Skelfo. And frankly, I could see a way that uh, Southeastern Louisiana, if they're able to beat Sam Houston State this weekend, they've got a, you know, they've got a chance to run the table. I mean, um, they're going to have – their two toughest games are the bookend games for them this year. They start the season at Sam Houston State, the end of the season at Nichols. But in the middle, they should run off their middle four games without a problem. So um, with that, uh, anything else you guys want to add here to the Southland Conference? Well, I'd like to add it. Do we know that? I like that. They're gonna be fair to win again. Where that would come on down to that little peppet gumbo. And there you go. We're gonna go to the Big South next, gents. Uh, the Big South <laughs> Conference. Uh, only five teams playing in the Big South uh, this season. Uh, Josh, can you name the three teams in the Big South that are not playing this year? I mean, it's hard enough for me to name three big South teams. Um, one uh, of them. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to assume, based on their expectations of making the playoffs, I'm going to assume that Kennesaw, Monmouth, and Charleston Southern are all playing. That is correct. Um, so that leaves... Well, obviously, obviously, Liberty and Coastal Carolina aren't playing in the Big South this year. They gone. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's that, go. That definitely, I'm gonna that go. definitely would bolster the uh, the talent in the conference, though. My God, those are both top twenty five FBS teams. I'm gonna go with total total guess. I'm gonna say Presbyterian is off praying. Campbell is off looking for camels. And Gardner Webb is busy adding more hyphens to their name. Sir, you were we went one for three. Um, I'll take it. One of my favorite mascots in all of college football, the Camels, will not be playing. The Campbell Camels uh, are not playing. Nor is Hampton or North Alabama. They, however, have uh, granted Robert Morris early membership to the conference. So the Big South is playing a four-game conference schedule. Isn't Robert Morris in Pennsylvania? When I think of Big South, I think of Pennsylvania. Did you know Kennesaw State's leaving the conference in 2022? Where are they going? They're going to the A-Sun, the Atlantic Sun Conference in 2022. I thought you were going to tell me they were going to... And yes, Robert Morris is... Robert Morris is in... uh, Coraupolis, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. 
that's the that's the southern part of Pennsylvania, so it's the big south. So the Atlantic Sun is is uh, joining forces with the WAC to form a, a super conference. Also, Robert Morris is basically in a suburb of Pittsburgh. I don't really know if that's <laughs> southern Pennsylvania. <laughs> it's in a northwest <laughs> suburb of Pittsburgh. They're going to be called the AQ7. The AQ7. Yeah, I, I was reading about that earlier. We'll talk about that on, on, on an upcoming show. Basically, what the Big South boils down to. That's going to be a damn good conference. It is. But the, the, the Big South effectively boils down to three teams. Kennesaw State, Monmouth, and Charleston Southern. Yeah. Um, Robert Morris and Gardner-Webb are going to be also Rands. But Kennesaw State is the preseason favorite coach that's your neck of the woods that is definitely my neck of the woods what makes kennesaw state not only the favorite but one of the best football teams in all of fcs football just where they're located they they they're right in the heart of atlanta they can recruit they can recruit two counties and be competitive with all of fcs football I mean, you, you talk about one of the most talent-rich cities in the entire country. Atlanta, Georgia is one yeah. of them. What do they which is, what, recruit Fulton and Cobb, and they're good? I would say Cobb and Gwinnett. Cobb and Gwinnett, and they're good. I mean, that's yeah. that's probably 50-something schools just in those two counties. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and, but they're located in Fulton, so you, you throw those three in there, and you're good to yeah, go. Exactly, and they're located in North Fulton, which all the good Fulton teams are in North Fulton County. So, I mean – they are, I mean, honestly, they're the second best program in the state of Georgia, uh, truthfully. I mean, I, I would say they recruit better than Georgia Southern. It's debatable whether they're a better program than Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern's on the rise, but they're, I, I mean, honestly, they've had more success and they, they've had more recruiting success, I feel like, than Georgia Tech right now. Georgia Tech's kind of a mess. <laughs> and, and, and that's, you know, and, and I love picking on Georgia Tech, but like the fact that that is somewhat true it's kind of sad it is but uh they just where they're located man and and it's easy to get to they've got a fun offense for for uh for running backs at least uh they they have that uh they have that spread option and and they've kind of modernized it too and it's not it's not like your typical it's not like your typical paul johnson scheme it's based out of that but it's not it's very much customized and modernized. Brian Bohannon does a tremendous job with that. And uh, they just – they play hard. They're physical. Oh, my God, they're physical. Uh, they'll come up and hit you. They they fly to the football. They tackle well. They do all the fundamental things well. They recruit talented players. They And they just – they play hard. And they play as a team, and, and they play very, very clean football. Yeah. And, and they don't beat themselves. Josh, the only team that's going to be able to push in this year is Monmouth. And Monmouth actually won the conference last year, so which did kind of come as a surprise and a little bit out of nowhere. But I, I think it's going to be tough for Monmouth to repeat that success that they had uh, a second year in a row. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, they, they won it because a year ago they traveled down to number five Kennesaw State and beat the snot out of them, 45-21. So if they do repeat, it'll be because, well, quite frankly, they don't have to make the trip to Kennesaw this year. Kennesaw has to 
hop on a plane or a bus or however they're going to do it to get all the way to, and this goes to the Big South being a very weird conference, to New Jersey. So that's a long trip for a huge game. Uh, so, you know, Monmouth certainly has the talent. They're a really good team, but they have the target on their back, and that's a different experience than what they had last year as they kind of came, uh, maybe not from nowhere, but definitely caught the league a little bit napping. Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I, I agree with that too. So, um, and then, you know, last but not least, Charleston Southern. Uh, Charleston Southern is a nice little program, but I don't think that they're really going to be able to hang with the two big boys here in the in the conference this year, Coach. No, they're not. They're just – they're just behind, uh, and that's not a knock on them. It's just a fact that Monmouth is is the team that's kind of the, sitting at the top of the pile right now, and then Kennesaw State is obviously the most far and away the most talented team um, in this conference, and so you, you have two big boys ahead of you. It's kind of like what uh, that's kind of like what's sitting in the SEC West is is like you know behind Alabama and and A and M. You know, you're just kind of looking up above you and going. Oh, yeah, well, it's yeah. kind of like Nebraska too. I mean, they're looking up at Wisconsin and Iowa and Northwestern and and Minnesota and, and Rutgers and Rutgers and <laughs> Maryland, Maryland, Illinois, yeah. Purdue. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I think Charleston Southern they're they're gonna. I mean, they're gonna be good. They're gonna be scrappy. They're they're gonna you know they're not gonna roll over. They're gonna make life difficult on on a lot of people, including Kennesaw State and including Monmouth. They might sneak up and get Monmouth. They, uh, I believe, I don't have their schedule pulled up, but they 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 are, you know, they just you know they they just got to run out there and play the games and see what happens. I mean, stranger things have happened. You know, teams have started from the bottom of the pile and worked their way to the top. And Charleston Southern has a chance, uh, but their chances are very, very slim at this moment. Yeah. So, all right, guys, with that, let's head over to our final segment, Spread Formations. Last week, one of the three games we picked got uh, canceled, Murray State at Southeast Missouri State. So uh, we only had two games. Uh, I went 2-0. and oh, uh Josh went one and one. Coach, just continuing that tradition from the fall, you went 0 and 2. Um, I had South Dakota State uh, as a three point favorite over you and I. They just covered that, getting uh, by winning it by four. Uh, both Josh and I had East Tennessee uh, over Samford and uh, as six point dogs to Samford, and we were correct on that one uh our first game uh we've talked about this matchup a little bit already south dakota state is heading to north dakota this weekend north dakota as we mentioned before guys is a a first year member of the missouri valley conference and this is ergo their second game after playing uh southern illinois last week so uh gentlemen uh this weekend um we have uh a matchup between uh north dakota and uh south dakota state south dakota state is an eight point favorite on the road 
Coach, you get to start this week. What side are you on? South Dakota State, eight-point favorite, over under 48 points. I'm taking San Diego State, and I'm going to take – San Diego? Well, that, that's impressive. Yeah, San Diego, yeah, San Diego State. <laughs> Co- Coach, I think I found why your picks are great this year. <laughs> we found it. Now let's, let's, well, I think let's, San Diego State would probably be favored by a little bit more than eight points. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm taking. <laughs> God, I need a coffee. Um, I don't drink coffee. I'm taking South Dakota State in this one. I'm taking the I'm taking the road favorites, uh, and I'm going to take the over. So I'm taking the road favorites, South South Dakota State. I almost did it again, and over. Josh. Yeah, I think a lot of Missouri Valley football fans are going to say, "Oh, here we go." Normally fighting Sue now that the fighting Hawks. Welcome to the big leagues. You're gonna get smacked around. And it's like, well, I mean, sure, North Dakota State beat them pretty good last year, but in North Dakota's defense, they beat Sam Houston when they were ranked. They beat UC Davis when Davis was ranked 12th in the country. They beat Montana State when Montana State was ranked ninth in the country. They almost Upset Weber State in Ogden, Utah. Lost that game by three. Uh, this is not a pushover. They played really well at home. Those three ranked teams that they all knocked off were home games a year ago. They don't need to win for me to win money from this. I'm going to take that because I'm getting eight points at home. I like Ooh. it. Josh likes North Dakota. Uh I like San Diego State, so we're good. <laughs> Go Aztecs. <laughs> the strongest thing I feel about this game is the over. Um, but I don't know. I, I I came into this season saying that South Dakota State is uh, potentially the best team in the country. So I'm gonna, you know, I, I'm gonna keep riding the horse that I, I came on. I don't know. I'm mixing about 13 different metaphors there. Um, so I'm also going to take San Diego. I mean, South Dakota state here. Um, our next game that we're going to talk about Southeast Louisiana at Sam Houston state, big game in the Southland gentlemen, big, big game in the Southland. Um, Sam Houston state is a six point favorite at home over under 54 and a half coach. What side are you on? Ooh, I'm, I'm gonna take the Bearcats uh, because why not? I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna dance on the horse that I rode into the sunset uh, after the prom with. So, um, yeah, I'm taking the Bearcats. I, I think it's uh, they it's just too tempting to not take them and, and just just how good their offense is and just how explosive they can be. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah going to going to the Bearcats, Josh. Yeah, I mean, not a lot to to go on for this game because, believe it or not, despite being in the same conference, they did not play each other mm-hmm. a season ago. Uh, so, so tough to tell. Um, give me the line one more time again, Matt. Uh, Sam Houston State, six and a half point favorite at home, over under fifty four and a half. Yeah, the problem is if it was in that seven and a half, eight and a half range. I'd be tempted to take the road dog, but because it's under a touchdown, that is why I am going to go with Sam Houston. 
All right. Um, I'm going to be a contrarian. And also, I really like Southeast Louisiana this year. Uh, I'm taking them to cover. Uh, I don't know if they'll get the upset outright, but I think that it's going to, I think it's a field goal game either way. Uh, Next game, we're going to talk about Tennessee Tech at Jacksonville State. Uh, Jacksonville State is a 12 point favorite at home, but Tennessee Tech coming off that. Big upset win over Austin P this past week. Coach uh, Jacksonville State, 12-point f- favorites at home, over under 56. Where are you at? I'm with ja- I'm riding with Jacksonville State. I mean, I don't want to call it a fluke because I-, I do think Tennessee Tech played fairly well. They played well enough to win, obviously, and take advantage of turnovers. But had it not been for four turnovers and 13 catastrophic penalties for Austin P. We're probably talking about an 0-1 Tennessee Tech team instead of a 1-0 Tennessee Tech team. And they were still shut down completely on, on offense, uh, and they couldn't – They it, it was like a just the floodgates opened uh, with the pass rush. And I, I just think Jacksonville State's going to overwhelm them. So give me, uh, give me the Gamecocks. Josh? I know Jacksonville State had a stranglehold of this conference for a long time. But uh, I think we're we're looking too fondly on past performance, and in 2019, Jackson State, Jacksonville State, was not very good. Three and five in conference, six and six overall. They got mollywopped by this awesome P team, 52-33. I know awesome P's come out of the gates horrible, but. They've gotten some game experience. This is Jacksonville's Jacksonville State uh, has some game experience as well this year. But I'm going to redo this because I thought they were playing awesome. B dude, I <laughs> fucked that up so badly. It's I all good. Up so badly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll just pick up where Coach left. Um, uh, three, two, one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean this this is a tough game because Jacksonville State is off to that three and one start. So they've got plenty of game experience from both the fall and, and back now in the spring game. But uh I think there's a lot of love for them on past performance when they dominated the Ohio Valley. Last year, though, just three and five in conference, six and six overall. So twelve is a pretty big number for them to cover. And in fact, they lost this game to Tennessee tech by 10 a year ago. So, you know, maybe I'm reading too much into that Austin P victory. Maybe Tennessee tech gets absolutely molly and I look really silly in a week, but I'm actually going to take the points. Okay, Josh. Um, I'm I'm going to take Jacksonville State because like one of the things Coach mentioned, Tennessee Tech won the Austin P game, but that was because of turnovers and penalties. It's not because our offense was able to move the ball at all, and I still think no matter what, Jacksonville State can move the ball and move the ball, frankly at will. I mean, Tennessee Tech gave up basically 400 yards to Austin P, and that was while Austin P was turning the ball over and getting all sorts of penalties. I mean, who knows? But don't break. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Fine. Um, I'll, I'll take the team that I've seen do it before. Finally, guys, uh, I'm throwing one more here into the mix. Eastern Washington at 
Idaho uh, to kick off uh, the uh, to kick off the season here in the Big Sky for these two teams. Eastern Washington is a five and a half pay, point favorite on the road over under sixty three. My goodness, Coach, mm. where are you at? Yeah. Ooh, uh, <laughs> that over is uh, that's a high number. I you know I, I really like the the uh, I really like the under on that, but uh, you know what? I'm gonna roll the dice. Give me Eastern Washington. Well, Eastern Washington favored by five and a half. Okay, Josh, how about you? I say roll the dice because my picks are <laughs> terrible all the time, so I'm just rolling the dice. I'm going to say inspired by how bad their basketball team is the vandals want to bring some love and joy to moscow idaho so like coach i'm rolling the dice and they are inexplicably coming up idaho uh i'm rolling dice because i'm on the same side as coach so um you're always rolling the dice we're all rolling the dice (laughs) on this one i believe in as much as i like idaho um and the story of idaho Eastern Washington. My strategy is when I get to pick after coach, I just fade all of his picks. <laughs> Honestly, that's a, <laughs> that's not that, that's not the worst strategy in the whole wide world. Coach, you've had such terrible luck this year. It's just I know I cannot pick against the spread for for the life of me. All right. Although well, I did win the Super Bowl, I did I did get yeah. that one. I did hit that one. All right, guys. Well, uh, that's all for our picks today and our show today. Next week we will we'll talk some colonial. Some uh, NEC, uh, a couple other of the pioneer, some maybe some Pioneer League uh, football, and uh, recap some of these games from this weekend. And really, next week we get into the big. We're starting to get to the meaty part of the schedule. I'm excited for CAA football, guys. The colon the, the Colonial has some phenomenal, phenomenal teams uh, led by James Madison. And uh, my home state, New Hampshire, University of New Hampshire has a nice team again this year. So I'm excited to talk about that. Uh, So, uh, gentlemen, uh, any last words? Well, yeah, I mean, we we buried the lead. No. Does Central Arkansas have a game, you guys? Central Arkansas in action, or are they still painting their football field? Uh, (laughs) They don't, but we can stay in the state. Pine Bluff does. Yeah. <laughs> Arkansas Pine Bluff and Texas Southern. We, we definitely facing off in the <laughs> swack. Yeah. I, I have it on good authority. It takes roughly uh, four and a half weeks for Central Arkansas to paint their field. So they'll, they'll get into the swing of things here in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Great googly moogly. <laughs> Oh, good Lord. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us here today on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. So on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, integrating the buck sweep into his offense, the coach, Corey Burton, in Nashville, Tennessee, and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook, up there in Chicago, Illinois. This is the Professor Emeritus in the Music City saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Goodbye.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks. You're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.